0: Excellent, just before I start, just let you know that next weekend we're going to try and do a little bit of a low-key international Sunday, so you've probably got an email in the post, so we want to just celebrate, you know it says there are are, are no Jews and Greeks and all this, that and the other in scripture, we want to celebrate the the God's people gathering, we've got people in this church, last time we counted, was it 13 different nationalities? So next Sunday morning, in a quite a low-key way, we'd just like some of those people from different nationalities just to take part, to pray for the church, to come and stand in and pray for the church, and maybe do a reading for the church. We'd love that to happen. So if, if you are, I don't know what's the word, if you are of a nationality of any particular description from anywhere in the world, and you'd like to take part in that, please do, do come and speak to me. I don't, you know, we'll even count Scottish as, as like foreign, and, and Welsh. <laughs> and English, and I mean anywhere else. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, anywhere outside of Yorkshire, he's abroad. Uh, yeah, I'm in another country. The I minute mean, I, you know, it' Derbyshire, um, I've gone south at that point. So, if we've got people from um, all the continents, and we just want to celebrate that in Christ we're one, uh, and we want to say, you know, this is, you know, this good news that we have in Christ works for for any generation in any place. Uh, so, we'd just like to celebrate. So, please, I've got a little notepad just here. Come and put your contact details in and your email that I can send you out what I'd like to do on that Sunday morning. And if you don't come to me, don't think you believe in this building without me pouncing on you. So, if I get it completely wrong and I think you look like you're South American and you turn around with a Cockney accent, do forgive me. But, you know, I'm going to have to. We've got East Europeans and uh, various African nations, various South American nations, and um, even. Welsh. Um, so, uh, it would be great. Julie's going to come and pray for us in Welsh. How amazing is that next week? Um, well, she can sing the Welsh National Anthem. She doesn't know what it actually means, but she has. So, please come and see me. We'd love to celebrate that. Is that okay? So, we're on to Strong Part 3. and uh, So, next one next we'll be international. So they won't be part of the Strong Series, and you get a break from my voice for a little while. Um, so, this morning... Something terrible happened. I I had a bad moment this morning in my life. So you stagger down, you sit down, you pick the controller up, you press the button to watch the news. Nothing. Nothing. Your TV's not working. I was traumatized. You know, it's like six o'clock in the morning. You're like, I mean, obviously I've prayed between five and six. So then it's time to stop praying and watch TV. And I'm putting the news on and nothing worked. And I had this horrible, my TV's not working moment. I, just, I was like horrified. I'm devastated, so i go and put the kettle on. The kettle's not working. I was in meltdown. So I hit the light switch, but the lights came on. Oh, so I'm, not, I'm now in confusion. It's not a power cut. What is going on here? So in my kind of stupid, I staggered to the fuse box and found one of the fuses down. Something wasn't connected. So I flipped the fuse back up. Thank you, God. I heard the TV go, ping. Oh. See, God is real. Miracles happen. It, the TV was reconnected. And I went into the kitchen and filled the kettle up. Nothing. I'm guessing overnight my kettle decided to die and took everything out. So the kettle still looks great. It's like it was bought to blend in with the kitchen. It's it's got an enamel finish that matches the cupboards. And like you spent ages like You know what this is like? You go to like the kettle shop and you choose a kettle, apparently. And there are lots of kettles to choose from, and I'm just thinking, I want one that boils. But you've got to get one that matches your cupboards and matches your tiles or contrasts with a work surface. And we did that. And it's still there. I've left it there looking pretty. But it was a pan that made a cup of tea this morning. I boiled a pan of water and made a cup of tea. Old school. Old school. Something wasn't connected. I see the humble pan. And this morning I want to talk about the importance of living strong the connection but how does that connection make so we're going to be talking this morning about the importance of honoring and encouraging one another because without it we are disconnected and uh, you know they they were the perfect example I mean I I had a weird sense of being alone this morning with no tv it was really I mean it felt like didn't my life wasn't right because this should be working Imagine if you've got no relationships. Imagine if you're not connected into other people. Imagine if other people are not encouraging you and building you up and and connecting with you. How isolating that would be if I'm so pathetic over a TV set a kettle. So, oh, past church, we're like superheroes. We've even had a superhero Sunday. Superheroes, though, you know, just like, Julie likes me to do that, but I imagine you didn't want to talk out, did you? No. Um, Julie likes me to rip my shirt off. <laughs> she sews my buttons back on afterwards. <laughs> I'm getting that look like I'm divorced again. <laughs> Be divorced three times this year. Um, we have Superhero Sunday, but I've got a bit of an issue with superheroes. Superheroes are one hit wonders. They're like themselves, by themselves, just one person that saves the day. And I tried to look at that and understand that. And then what I began to realize I looked at, you know, we talked about Jesus being our superhero early in the year. But, you know, what Jesus did was connect with us. He wasn't remote, He wasn't distant. He didn't live at a distance. He, he, He lived identifiably as one of us, amongst us. So I realized what I'm talking about this morning is not superheroes. There's no room for superheroes. The kids have gone, so I can get away with saying that. Superheroes are good fun, but there's no room for the Hulk in this place, whoever the Hulk may think he is at the moment. There's no room for Iron Man or Superman. As church, we are called together. We're called to be team. Uh, Ruth often likes it. I love Ruth. Uh, Ruth Pettit runs around all the time saying, Team! Something good happens, team! Something doesn't go right, you can think yeah, it was an individual. And it's just, it's just, it just is. It works when people pull together, it works when people stand together. So, not being heroes, we can't be individual heroes. And I want to challenge the concept of being a personal one off hero when we need to be a team together. Uh, I read a story earlier this year about, a, I might have told you about this before, but there was a particular basketball team, and they'd not won anything for years in America. You know, this kind of college basketball is really big in America. And this uh, young lad wanted to join the basketball team, but he said, my dad will coach the team. Dad was from Malawi. He'd never played basketball in his life. But he looked at what everybody was doing. He said, every team in the entire league plays the same way. I've no idea how to play basketball, but we'll just like not do what everybody else does and we'll see what happens. They won the league. Because they built a team, not a bunch of individual heroes. And they won the team. See, not being superheroes means leaders can't... We can't... As, you know, church leaders are not superheroes. Did you know that? I know that's not easy to comprehend. When I, you know, but, but we're not superheroes. We can't speak things into being. Only God can do that. For the rest of us, it takes team. I can't, as church leader, I can't pronounce this must happen and this should happen. We can talk about direction and hearing God and vision, but it takes all of us to carry God's heart. It takes all of us to work together. It calls, it's called church. So even team can be challenging. People get really passionate about teams. We've got people that support Tottenham Hotspur in this room. Blair, you weren't doing that yesterday. Manchester City gave somebody an eight nil thumping yesterday. Watford. Anybody from Watford in the room? You're just keeping quiet about it, aren't you? You know, people are really passionate about teams. People throw the lot in with football teams and they wear the slogans and the wear all the stuff and they can't believe their team's not the best team. They they pronounce that Sheffield Wednesday is the best team on the face of the earth. We all know that's patently not true yet. But we need to know what it is to be a church team to be a family, to be a tribe that is strong. Knowing that, uh, when we're strong and living well in God, that will impact our character and our values. So the last few weeks, we've reminded ourselves what it means to live strong, to live as winners. We talked about David and Goliath. To live as winners, knowing that God is our victory. We've talked about having a generous attitude and heart that begins to pull us together. Today, we're going to develop that culture of honoring and of, of encouragement a little further so that we can live strong together. That's how we build connections. We learn to appreciate and encourage people. We don't judge and devalue. We disciple people. And that's what we're going to be about today. Uh, honoring must be at the heart of our character we're supposed to honor our parents, the Bible says. The Bible is incredibly clear on this. It's so important, it's actually in the top ten of things to do and to be. Okay, here's, here's some Bible verses. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land of your, your God is giving you, Megan. Just let you know, as a daughter, honor us and you live a long time. And if you don't, I'll make sure that you anyway, that's a different story. This is where we begin to learn and to form our character of honouring. The Bible tells us that we're to show honour to those who are spiritually leading apprentices. So the next verse: the elders will direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honour, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. People run away with that verse. But here's the heart of it. Here's what I want. It's not about paying the double honor right now. Here's what I want to look at. Some leaders may be worthy of double honor, but understand what's being said here. There is already a culture of honoring and encouraging in the church. That's what I want us to focus on. There's a culture of honoring already. Some are worthy of double honor, but the point is honor and encouragement is at the heart of the congregation already. It's at the heart of the church gathering. Living with honor reminds us of who we are, who God is, and how much he loves those around us. You know, we encourage people. I encourage Tim and honor Tim because the Lord loves him. And get this, the Lord gave his life for him and saved him, redeemed him. Who am I to disparage him? I want to encourage him and build him up. I want to disciple him. And that sometimes may mean tweaking and nudging and asking and questioning, but it's never judgment, it's never condemnation. It's we're in this together. That's honouring. When we place ourselves after others, we become aware of the value that God places on every life, including our own. It even says of Christ, he considered himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. Because he valued us, and because he knew Father God valued us. This creates an atmosphere of encouragement and appreciation that even the greatest challenges can be be met together. Whatever comes against us, whatever we face, whatever challenge, I believe when we stand together in an atmosphere of encouragement and honoring that recognizes who God is at the heart of us, we can live strong. Being honored and encouraging releases people to go further and step out into all that the Lord asks for them and to live strong. So if I constantly, sorry Tim, you just sat in the wrong spot. If I constantly tell Tim all the things he's bad at, he already probably knows. But if I encourage him and stir him up, he can go further, he can do more, he can raise his game. But if I only tell him why he's wrong, Has anybody had one of those teachers at school? I had a history teacher who didn't think I was very good at history. Oh. And he said, you're not very clever, Paul, at history. And I said, it was the olden days, so I said, but I want to do O-level history. Are you doing O-level history? And he said, no. I said, that's why I want to do O-level history. I actually did say that to him, Mr. Sloan. Oh, um, well, I hope he's not listening to his podcast. Um, and he said, You're not clever enough to do history. We'll let you do CSE. Anybody else do any CSEs? Well, like, you knew you were just like filling time, really. So I did like CSE history. I got 98% in my exam. It was really easy. But he kept telling me how rubbish I was at history. And in the end, I believed him. I just want to tell you, if it have encouraged me, what might have happened? As it happened, I went on to teach history for a while. So... <laughs> we build people up. We've got to be realistic with people. We want to encourage people. We want to say, we believe what God can do with you is amazing. You know, there is no limit to what God can do. His dream for us, His vision for us, His vision for this world, for this town, through us is incredible. Go out, go out into all the world and make disciples of all men. Now, come on, this is, this is God's vision for us. We're capable of that because we're designed for that. You know, you understand, we're designed, we are recreated. But at salvation, we are recreated. We become people of incredible vision. We become capable of reaching out into the whole world with the good news of Jesus Christ. That's what we're designed for. It says in Romans chapter, 10, uh, chapter 12, verse 10, be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves, never be lacking in enthusiasm, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. How do you keep that fervor? fervor by being encouraged, by being stirred up. If you, want to, you want to keep people rolling, you want to, you've got to keep telling them, come on, you can do this. You want to keep cheering them on. I, it's amazing. One of the things I love watching is athletics because, of athletics more than I think any other sport, more than football or anything, when the crowd begin to cheer, you can see the athletes boost themselves up. Have you seen the long, the long jumpers? They do that kind of clapping thing, so, and they get them to clap at the pace that they're going to run, and then they run down the pitch, and, and you can feel the whole crowd, and they do that kind of, whoa! And they kind of, the crowd jump vocally with the athlete, and they jump further, and they jump higher. They run faster. We're surrounded by a great crowd of witnesses, Scripture says, encouraging us and shouting is on. Church, let's make sure that we're part of that crowd, encouraging and cheering on. What you don't do, you don't stand here miserable as sin and negative and condemning and critical until you get to heaven when you can be part of the great crowd of witnesses. Start practicing to be an encourager now. Start practicing to cheer on and, and, and say, yes, you can in God. See, the Holy Spirit is poured out on us to enable us to, to, to be witnesses. We're empowered by that. All the gifts of the Holy Spirit come with that. The fruit of the Spirit transforms who we are. So we need to be the kind of people that cheer people on, that stir people up, never lacking in enthusiasm, but keeping your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. And we serve the Lord by serving His people too. 1 John 4 20 says this, but if we say we love God and don't love each other, we are liars. Your know, Scripture doesn't mess, does it? I tried to look what the Greek actually said to soften it. The Greek's kind of worse. But if we say we love God and don't love each other, we are liars. We cannot see God. So how can we love God if we don't love the people we can see? So if I can see, t- sorry Tim, if I can see Tim... And can't be bothered to love him. How can I possibly love God who I can't see yet? There's a massive challenge in that. Don't say that. Pet hate time. Has anybody seen that thing on Facebook? I love God but I can't do with his church. (gasps) I get so grumpy at that one. Straight away I want to put this verse on there. I mean I want to say to him, yeah I agree with you but I love him. Oh no, I'm not supposed to say that out loud. Did I say that out loud then? Church is a right awkward thing because it's a gathering of people from all over the world, in this case, from all different cultures and societies and backgrounds and experiences. But you know what they have in common? The Lord saved them. The Lord loved them enough to give his life for them. So we've got to love them. And the amazing thing is we're in a town full of all different kinds of people that the Lord loves, that the Lord wants to redeem, the Lord wants to make his own, that he wants to rescue, that he wants to make his own recreate and call church, call his people. So, you know, let's not be in the business of hating people. Let's be in the business of loving people because then that is in our working, in our pouring of our love for God. That's our love for God being physically seen and demonstrated. Catch this, it's so important. How do I honor the Lord? By honoring those around me. How do I receive encouragement from the Lord? By encouraging those around me. Love and honor are closely bound together. You see, you stir up and you want the best for those that you love. We've got to love the church. Yeah. You know, and, and we've got to put the church first. You put first those that you love. So you aren't here to enable me to do something. We're here to serve one another. We're not here to, you know, you don't you're not exist to make me look good. I don't, I don't want to turn up at a conference and say, I have a church of a thousand because I am good. That, that's not church leadership. You know what we are, a group of people that are humbly, astonishingly, redeemed by Jesus Christ and we need to encourage one another in that and please God that there be a thousand of us one day so that then we can be sent out into all the world then we can have real impact so we can say to other people the Lord loves you and see them redeemed and saved and transformed we're not we're not about filling rooms or buying buildings they're just useful things to do we're about carrying the love of Christ and the love of Christ has first of all to be seen within this place this is our practice ground this is where we practice cheering on. This is where we practice serving. This is where we practice loving and encouraging and stirring up so that when we are sent out from this place, and we, do, we, we are sent out from this place to be good news people. We don't just gather on a Sunday to have a good feel. We gather on a Sunday morning so we can be sent out through our week to carry the good news, the unconditional love of Christ. Without unconditional love, honor is just lip service. Honor is something we choose to give. Did you know that? You choose to give it you choose it. I can't demand it of you. I can make you do things that look honorable, but I can't demand respect. You choose to give it. You choose to give honor. You choose to give encouragement. It can never be taken by another. So honoring and encouragement are about the heart of the one giving it more than the one receiving it. So the emphasis when we are encouraging, the emphasis when we're loving is my heart. How am I encouraging you? Why am I encouraging you? Where is my love for you? Because it's about serving, Tim, it's about, oh, sorry, you sat in the wrong spot, I'll sit there next week. It's about serving you so that you are able to do more, to go further, to be higher. It's not about making me look good, it's about being your servant, and that's the heart we need to have within the, heart, within the church. Anything less than that um, is, is a mistake. Um, Honoring is something we choose to give. It can never be taken by another. So honoring and encouragement are about the heart of the one giving more than the one receiving. We honor people for who they are. This is Tony Miller, I picked up from his book. We honor people for who they are without chipping over what they're not. We honor people for who they are without chipping over what they're not. You see, what the world does, it tells me all the things I'm not. Tells me all the things I'm not good enough for, all the things I can't do, all the reasons I'm wrong. But the heart of Christ tells us who we are. You see, when I come at the foot, the foot of the cross, I'm able to stand before the Lord, or kneel before the Lord as the Son of the living God, redeemed, forgiven. Church, you're able to come and stand in that place, redeemed and forgiven, acceptable. You don't stand there. God doesn't say it right. Before you go any further, here's the list. Some of us would have very long lists of all the stuff that's a mess. But we have a forgiving God who redeems us. So I don't, on a, I don't comment on Tim all the things he's got wrong. You, you know, he, he's married. He doesn't need me to do that. Um. <laughs> Sorry, that was very naughty and inappropriate. I need to build him up. I need to encourage him and see him step to another place, to a higher place, and believe in him. So I honor him for what he is, not for what he's not. He already knows the things he's weak, in. he already knows the things that he's fearful of. He doesn't need me to remind him. He needs me to say, in Christ, all things are possible. Today, more than ever, this concept of honour and loyalty and love are more challenging than ever before. I have a loyalty card for Costa. Does anybody else have a loyalty card for Costa? I was given a new. I was given a points card this week for Costa. Free you and me. We love Costa, don't we? We share a number of things together in common: father, son, Holy Ghost, and Costa. <laughs> uh, and your family, like my family, think we're obsessed. It's, it is our third home. I just love Tom. Tom will put. Um, I'm leaving home to go to my other home before I go to my other home. So he leaves home to go to his Costa home to come to his church home. And he always calls it home. You and me together. We have loyalty cards for Costa. I have a loyalty card for supermarket. Anybody have a supermarket loyalty card? Yay! But you know what? They're not loyalty at all. You're only in it for what you can get from it. You're only in it for the free coffee. Who's got a loyalty card for Costa now? Who's got ten pounds worth of points on the card? Oh, sink under that chair! Who's got fifteen pounds of loyalty on their card? Who's got twenty? Who's got twenty-five? Who's got thirty quid worth of loyalty points? And I spent it 10 the other day. <laughs> I've been famous. I've been doing it for years. Well, most of this year. <laughs> We're in it for we can get free. You see, our loyalty is something that we give. A loyalty card is not a loyalty card. A loyalty card is a bit of a contract. It's a sales contract. I'll give you something. I want something back. That's not encouragement and honoring. What I'm shocked at these days is the lack of loyalty. Earlier this year... Um, Steve Bruce had just signed to be coach of Sheffield Wednesday. I've got to think about Sheffield Wednesday at the moment. I think I am have to become a proper fan again. He signed for Sheffield Wednesday and a few weeks later, before he'd even managed one single match, he resigned and went to work for Newcastle. Having just signed a three-year deal at Sheffield Wednesday. Having just done a press conference, I'm so thrilled to be at this club. I really believe in this club. I, I'm so proud to be part of it. I'm looking forward to the next few years and all that we're going to achieve together. Oh, Newcastle. Gone. True honour and encouragement is not measured by the payback or self-interest. You see, Newcastle bought his loyalty by paying him more money than Sheffield Wednesday could afford. We are not people of encouragement because I don't encourage Tim because I want something back from him. I encourage Tim because I believe God can do something with him. And I want him to thrive and to grow. And I honour him for all that he does for the church. See, it's not about payback or self-interest it's only the benefit of the other person. There is no points card for loving another. There is no point loyalty card for church. It's just a case of serving. John chapter 12, verse 1 to 8, I'm going to read to you. Six days after Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a, di- uh, here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. It's an incredible honoring of jesus this is the family that you know, lazarus was raised from the dead it's mary and martha where you know martha said oh, i'm cooking tea and she sat around listening so that whole argument thing going off there but understand what this means to honor jesus see this isn't a parable it's an historical narrative this stuff happened this is a true story that we can learn some reality about and learn, uh, encouragement from so in this story, there is, there is physical service. There's a meal on because this person matters. They want him to feel that he matters. There's somebody literally serving him food, preparing something for him because he matters. He's welcomed into the heart of the home, the vulnerable place, where everything is seen. He knows everything about this family. He's seen the turmoil and the arguments between the two sisters. And then there's this dramatic, typical Mary kind of, um, big grand gesture of the Nard poured on his feet, and the, the worship of that. This is remarkable. Vulnerability, number one. Vulnerability brings um, independence. So vulnerability brings encouragement and honouring. Independence brings discouragement. See this family, they chose to be vulnerable and to open their lives up to Jesus. It's a place where he felt welcome, a place where he could rest. Jesus could see right in the lives of this family. He didn't see them grieving when one died, but celebrating when one was raised alive. He knew Mary's preponderance to gestures of worship, Sitting at his feet, pouring, but it was genuine, that was a heart. He knew Martha's preponderance to gestures of service, to doing things. We've got people around this place, their worship is to physically do things. I, I don't feel like a preacher, or a speaker, but I tell you what, I can fit these lights in, or I can do this, or I can blast that, because they want other people to be encouraged. He knew Martha's preponderance to service. She also knew he was welcome in that home. Church, we've got to be people that are vulnerable and make people welcome. We've got to be people that say, you are welcome in this place. This is who we are, our strengths and our weaknesses, but you are welcome and loved. That is how we honor people. Any value and love for others can only grow out of a relationship with Christ. And if we're not vulnerable to Christ, we cannot be vulnerable to other people. If we don't love the Lord, we will never find it in ourselves to love others. If we can't serve the Lord, we'll struggle to serve others. But the difference is, do I want something back? Or am I serving Christ for the sake of serving Christ? Because he's the Lord of all and the King of kings and deserves to be served. With this family, they understood who Jesus was, so they served him. Here we are. You're welcome. On your terms, Lord, this is who we are. I'm Mary, I'm Martha, I'm Lazarus. This is who we are. We want to serve you. We want to encourage you. We want to honor you. Everything begins with their vulnerability. The second thing I want to say, encouragement grows connection like discouragement grows disconnection. So drop the phone and internet. Who's been on their phone during this sermon? Put your hand up now. Excellent. Somebody asked us, I've received two texts through my watch. You see, you think I don't know these things. You remember that time when we did a quick survey of our internet and we checked how many people had been on eBay and, and IKEA website during the service? Oh, nobody here was there. They've all gone now. They've all left. None of you. They're all at IKEA, yeah. People say we should drop the phone and drop the internet. The rise of technology is blamed for separating people and disconnecting people's lives. I, I put a Christmas picture on of us on Christmas Day this year, and every person in the room was on the phone except for me, except to realize the very moment I took the picture, I was on the phone. So every one of us had met together to celebrate a Christmas dinner together. That's all we do. It was just that moment in time. The rise of technology is easily blamed for the disconnect of people's lives when people want to be connected. I actually disagree. Your mobile phone has not disconnected you from anybody. It simply emphasised what's already within us. Yeah. That's all that's happened. You can't put it down. We're in the world, not of it. Internet and mobile phones and, and all these things, they're part of the world we're in. We've got to learn to use it and to be aware of it. It just n- must never come before people. It must always be about people. It must always be about Lord. So, you know, people are dying to stay connected. I think people want to be connected. Here are some true stories of people dying to stay connected. The man who died trying to get his phone back from the cesspit, overcome by fumes. The man who jumped in front of the train to, receive, to, to retrieve his phone he dropped onto the line. The man who realized that. the Dust man, who realised he'd dropped his phone in the back of the compactor, and reached in to grab it quickly. I know this is horrible, isn't it? The woman who died running back into the house after the fire brigade had arrived because she realised she'd left her phone on the bedside table. The man attempting to catch his own phone when it flew out of his pocket on a roller coaster. We want to stay connected, and we will risk our lives to be connected but we need the right connections to live. Just having a phone is not connected. That's just about information passage. All that technology does is highlight our tendency towards disconnected selfishness as much as our desperation to belong. People want to belong. It's the very center of the verses that say, once you were darkness, now you're children of light. It's we're moving from disconnected to connected. and People want to be connected. This is why people crave for likes on their Facebook page. We want to be connected. We want to be recognized. We want to be encouraged. We need to connect to people and to God to be fully who we are created to be. In Scripture, we read that the Holy Spirit was poured out on them. They, are, they had all things together in common. Don't neglect meeting together. All of them were of one mind. Do you know what's happening there? They're connected. They're connected. It's really unusual for one of God's people to be by themselves, to be isolated, to be living in... Oh, sorry, that should say number three. I do apologize. It's unusual for people to be by themselves. You know, I, I don't think God's big on us going and living in caves and being an ascetic monk somewhere. He's big on us living in community, being a group of people together. The difference is when we live by ourselves, that's when we're living in the moment. When we're living together and the Holy Spirit is poured out, that's when eternity can invade that moment. This phrase I keep using, we need eternity to invade our moments. And we do that by living together, by being a group of people together. I want to suggest to you that what our technology does is highlight the counterfeit nature of connection. People feel they're connected because they get clicks. Psychologists can show that we are dependent upon likes and clicks. And we get massively depressed if we don't get enough clicks on something we post online. And if we get more than a certain number of clicks, we get an endorphin rush and feel good about ourselves. And we feel thrilled and high and rushed. And we get addicted to those likes. And so people put, they've been able to demonstrate, people put more and more extreme things on Facebook to get more and more clicks to feel good about themselves for just a brief moment. I used to do that with chocolate. Now people do it with Facebook. There's a TV program I really like called Stranger Things. Anybody watch Stranger Things? Stranger Things is ace. Stranger Things is like an inside, there's two worlds, but the the world that we're in, there's an upside-down version of it where everything is bad and wrong and backwards and weird and creepy and disturbing. I I, I love Netflix and I love this program because it kind of shows a distorted version of what the world could be, this upside-down version of us. And I think what we're living in right now is a stranger thing. This is not the world that God wanted, but we get to be the bringers of the world that God wanted. We get to be bringers of the truth. Our world is a strange thing right now, but through us, through the truth of Christ, we get to be people that put it right again, that turn it the right way up, that bring good news into it. We get to be people that bring goodness and light into this strange world. A distorted, upside-down version of the world God created for us, we begin to put right for Him. Through Christ. It's a moment in eternity small and living, it means I want to be liked. Who gets a thrill when you get somebody clicking a like? I love it. I really get off in it. When when you get one of those posts and unexpectedly it takes off. And people might even share your post. Oh my days. But I'm living in the moment. But a moment invaded by eternity is living strong. And I want to live not just in the moment of a thrill, but in a lifetime that's empowered by the Holy Spirit and with a God focus. Our focus is completely shifted when we look to Christ. That shifted focus allows us to live life and look like Jesus, to live like Him and to look like Him. And that is the most engaging and connected we can ever be. You know, the simple truth is, the minute we look, and sound like Jesus, we are appealing. You know that? Jesus is actually appealing. Everything about Jesus, there's something about Jesus that people want to be around. And you look at him when he walked the earth, everywhere Jesus went, there's constantly a crowd. There's a crowd constantly. Even after, There are times where Jesus has to slip away for a bit of quiet time. He literally sneaks out. And the crowd, like, follow him people want to be around him. So it tells me that if we are living like Christ and sounding like Christ and being like Christ, then people want to be around the good news of Jesus. So you being the mission is weak living. Others being the mission is strong living. And the Facebook thing is important because the Facebook thing is about me. Me being the mission. Look at me. Look at my illnesses. Look at my successes. Look at my t-shirts. Look at my photographs. Look at my selfies has anybody ever put a selfie on Facebook I can't believe only two people put their hand up to confess and put a selfie on Facebook everybody's put selfies on Facebook you're not on Facebook Luddite He's a computer expert. He knows to keep away from all things internet. Avoid social media. They know what you're doing. Gary, they know what you're doing anyway. This need for likes is an example of people making themselves the mission it's a life is about them what's in it for me is replaced by what can i bring it needs to be replaced by what can i bring to others see this is the wonderful thing about the good news that we have i don't have to live for me anymore i get to live for other people and suddenly and this great step of faith and you start living for others You start living for christ something wonderfully fulfilling starts to happen some transformation takes place and this fulfillment that you're looking for suddenly is found in christ when we begin to live for him and to live for others and stop living for ourselves and it's a remarkable thing. Marketing people have a phrase for living for yourself. What's in it for me? W-I-F-M. What's in it for me? So all television advertising, all your TV programs, all your stuff on Facebook and Twitter and Twinger, or whatever else it is you'd sign up for and do, and Insta, what's it? All that kind of stuff. It's full of advertisements. And all those advertisements are saying, what you've got is not good enough, but if you add this, your life will be better. And it encourages encourages you to disconnect from what you have, to be envious and want something else, and to want to know what's in it for me personally. It's exactly the opposite of the mission that Christ sends. It's a complete messy counterfeit of the good news of Jesus Christ. Where in Galatians 2.20 it says this, I have died, but Christ lives in me. And I, I now live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave his life for me. See, advertisers and marketing would say, live for you. Make it about you. But Jesus says, it's about him. I have died, but Christ lives in me. And I now live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave his life for me. Guys, this stuff is really important. This, we can't just pay lip service to this. This is the church we've got to become. This is the church that needs to inspire and encourage one another to live this way. We've got to on one another when we see it happening. When we get those glimpses where somebody gets it right, encourage them and stir them up. We've got to be those people if we're going to take this good news further, if we're going to grow as a people. And we've got a massive call on us. We're part of the church in this town. The church is dotted around. We're part of that church. And we've got a church, we've got a town that is lost that doesn't know the good news of Jesus Christ. And it needs to know. It needs to know, not to condemn them, but to set them free. To see them released and find salvation. To see God work and break out in this town. To bring transformation to it. When we only ask what's in it for me. We're the mission. And we'll be empty and disconnected. Nothing will ever be quite good enough. You will feel empty. You You need a mission bigger than yourself. Bigger than your illness. Bigger than your job. Bigger than your secular prospects. You need something bigger than all of those things. Bigger than your finances. You need Jesus and a vision for what he can do. With his people, living for a mission bigger than you can only work as part of a team, a community, a family, a tribe, a church. Told you the 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 whole panel is running. We went running. and We achieved things and got round things and threw obstacles. That some of us would still be in the ditch in the mud had we not done it as a team. We did it as a team, and I love that. It's still blessing me. Every time someone has left or discouraged, been Every time has left his church or discourage someone in it or hurt another i promise you i've only ever seen that person making themselves the mission i'll I'll be i'll be as brutal and as honest as that and be straight talking when people have left us or discouraged people in it it's because they made the mission about themselves when the mission is about jesus they live strong when the mission is about ourselves we live weak and we want to live strong. Look at David and go at David as he walked in that valley. You came against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I came against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, and you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give you the carcasses of the Philistine army the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that, th- that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's. God is bigger than the obstacle. His mission for us is bigger than can be done alone. And I love this here because David knows this is about inspiring and encouraging the army to go out. See, he only has to kill Goliath, but he's still faced with thousands of warriors from another army. All he gets to do is to take out one warrior and inspire and encourage the army to say, Together, we can win. He's part of an army. He's not the army. So even David knows that this is for God, this is about God, this is empowered by God. The mission is so much bigger than him. The mission is so much bigger than Goliath. And the essence of this is to pray, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Your, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And I'll have the band back if I can please. Philippians 2 says this, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, Spirit, if any tenderness, if any compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He hum- This is a good